Some people aren't that lucky. Like the one that Marlon Brando played in On the Waterfront. An up-and-comer who's now a down-and-outer. You remember that scene in the back of the car with his brother Charlie, a small-time racket guy, and it went something like this. It wasn't him, Charlie, it was you. You remember that night at the garden, you came down my dressing room and you said, kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Wilson. Remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart that night. So what happens? He gets a title shot outdoors in a ballpark, and what do I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. I was never no good after that night, Charlie. It was like a peak you reach, and then it's downhill. It was you, Charlie. You was my brother. You should have looked out for me a little bit. You should have looked out for me just a little bit. You should have taken care of me just a little bit. Instead of making me take them dice for the short end money. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. It was you, Charlie. It was you, Charlie. How you doing, Jake? Everything all right? Yeah. Ready? You got about five minutes. Okay. Need anything? Nah. You sure? I'm sure. A lot of people out there. Yeah, it's crowded. and gentlemen on this December 7th night Juan Soto is a New York Yankee so it all went down it got finalized early this morning um I think that you know it's it's a good move for baseball it's funny because I think I think a lot of people hate on the Yankees um my attitude on them has always been that I think baseball is bigger when the Yankees are playing like a big stack poker player, right? When they're in the playoffs, you know, either you love them or you love rooting against them. And it's it brings a – it magnifies the sport in a way that, you know, just other teams can't. I think even more than the Red Sox. I mean, it's like you you love to see the you love to play the Yankees. You love to see them. You know, if, if it's not your team, you love to at least turn it on and – just see that they're relevant. See what's going on. They're a lightning rod for the sport. So for them to land this player in the details of the deal, Yankees got Soto and Trent Grisham. At one time, it was rumored to be Jake Cronenworth. So 
I thought that I thought Cronenworth as a Yankee would have been a pretty good get. Grisham's a hell of a get to be. He's going to be like their fourth outfielder now because they got Alex Verdugo earlier in the week. So you can trot out Soto, Judge, Verdugo, and Grisham's your fourth outfielder. And here's what they gave up. Michael King, who I'm very high on, Drew Thorpe, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, and Kyle Higashioka. I mean, uh, this is the kind of trade that the Yankees used to make. I mean, they just basically pried Juan Soto out of the Padres' hands. Now, I've got some thoughts on Soto. I don't love I don't love Juan Soto like most people do. You know, he is what he is. He's he's a 900 OPS bat. He's going to get on base, you know, at a 370 clip or if not better, he's going to hit he's going to hit for a lot of power, I think, in Yankee Stadium. For some reason I don't like him. I don't know, you know, I've always liked young talent, young players, but you know, when it comes to Juan Soto, for whatever reason, I've just never really fallen for him. Um, and I think some of it kind of comes from the fact that he, he just, and I know he won, it's like not fair for me to say that he's like not a winning player because he tore that World Series up in 2019. Um, but I just, when he went to the, the Padres, I felt like they were going to do so much more with him. And they just didn't go anywhere, and I don't understand. It's like I I feel like he's a money hungry guy that you can't really depend on to put a team on his back. Um, and I don't I don't know. It's not like he's ever. It's not like a report's ever broken that he's a bad character guy or anything like that. I and then he went through a slump this year um, when he was you know everybody was calling him Juan Sucko. I just, I'm just not high on him. Something about him. I mean, he's gonna obviously be a monster for the Yankees, um, but it's, um, you know, it's gonna be interesting. And, and they're not done either, so they might get uh, that Japanese import pitcher. Uh, what is it, Shobu? They call him. And if they do that, I think you know, I think you're looking at a team that could could easily be the best in the AL next year. I think Yankees fans should be extremely happy with uh, what they came away with. And, um, you know, there's, you know, if you've got an MLB, the show team that uh, is, you know, seeming like the Miami Heat back when they pulled off the LeBron James, Chris Bosh uh, moves. I remember everybody wanted to be them on NBA 2K. You know, it was like the first, like, wow, super team. That's kind of how this feels to me. Um, I think you, you, you know, I think the Yankees are a super team again. Uh, this reminded me of a, a move that, uh, you know, George Steinbrenner would have made when he was drunk on power. And I think it's kind of the last running of the Bulls uh, for Brian Cashman. I think they said, look, man, go out there and bring us the fucking horses, okay? We don't give a shit what it takes. We're sick of getting embarrassed. Go out there and bring us the guys. And uh, this is like, you all, the Verdugo trade, everybody thought Verdugo was going to go to to San Diego and be part of that to get Soto. No, he, he was just bringing him in to add guns. And uh, I like that move. I mean, you know, you could do a lot worse than Verdugo. I think he's a dumb player. I think uh, I think he's a dumbass. But physically, you know, he he does good things. He gets on base. He, he moves the ball. He hits for a little bit of pop. I mean, he's a good guy to have, you know, in an ancillary fill-in, you know, down the lineup spot, which is what where they're going to have him. Is he a two or three hole hitter? 
No, he's miscast that, but it's a seven or eight hole. And that's how you build a team that does something really dangerous. Um, I thought that Brian Cashman's quote was really good after he added Juan Soto. I thought it was really cool. Uh, Cashman says, quote, it's not going to be just him. We got to keep working at what else we can add. We want to make this the mecca of baseball. What a quote. I mean, seriously, you hear that and it's like, man, they're the envy of, of every fan base, right? I mean, every every city that has a major league team would love to be the mecca of baseball. And you think about Yan- new Yankee Stadium and the, the guys they filled it with and the, the new Monument Park. And, you know, man, like I, I can't help but think, you know, they – they might once again be the mecca of baseball. I mean, that's kind of how I think of the Yankee tradition. And uh, they're trying to restore that here before the uh, the sun sets on things. So definitely, um, I, I I guess I'm happy to see it, it get, uh, get done. Um, a couple other things I, I wanted to touch on here. It was another move that went down that I think people are overreacting to was um, the Cincinnati Reds finally made a move uh, after signing Emilio Pagan and Nick Martinez. And uh, for some reason, the algorithm on Twitter, you know, I looked at a lot of Red stuff last year when uh, McLean and Dela Cruz came up. For some reason, Twitter, I hate it, continually pumps out these Reds fans to me, which I don't follow. So I don't know why I'm constantly seeing their their tweets, but every single time I log in, it's like I'm seeing the same Reds fans react to this and that. Um, so they signed Jameer Candelario. I think it was three years, $45 million. Uh, You know, like Reds fans, if you if you read their reactions, they, they act like this guy. They, they act like he's like a franchise changer. And I like him. He's a decent player. He had a great year last year um, between the, the Tigers and then when he went to the Cubs. Um, he's never hit with a ton of pop. Uh, he's got some versatility, which is good. I think his war last year was like around three. So I think, you know, it, there's there's some things there that helped the right team. Now, were the Reds the right team? No, it kind of, to me, it just felt like that was the biggest caliper guy they were going to get. And that's a lot of money for, you know, Jamir Candelario. I mean, that that's not that's not a two million dollars a year contract. I mean, he's gonna have to really play some ball to to earn that. And for that amount of money, you could have a couple pretty good players. I think. I mean, I think uh, I think the Reds are kind of a rudderless ship. They don't really know what to do, but. And they don't really want to spend money, but they feel like they have to do something. So they they jump in on the only guy that they could even be in the conversation on because, you know, they got shunned by uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think would have been a really nice move for them. Really nice move. Um, they add an infielder. They don't need an infielder at all. Um, if this goes well, you know, you've got a guy who might be on a on the high end. He might be Dimitri Young. Um, you know, and if it goes badly, it's it's really going to go badly. 
So I I don't know. I I mean the Reds off season, man. It's it's like I want to be get back into them. I want to be watching them again, and they've got a nice, exciting young core. I don't think they have much of a manager. I'm not in love with their pitching staff. I see they're kind of like looking at, at bringing, you know, making Hunter Green their ace, and I, I just don't think he's that guy. And now it's, you know, their marquee free agent signing. You know, they're going to have a press conference for Jameer Candelario, who the big-time teams that are favored to win the World Series, they weren't even interested in him. They weren't even in the combo. You know, it's like the Reds are trying so hard to be relevant, but... I mean, and these Reds fans, I mean, I don't think, I've never noticed it with any other fan base um, in baseball, like on social media, like how delusional Reds fans really are. It's like they think, and I guess every fan base kind of falls victim to this, but it's like they think that everything kind of leads back to them and they don't realize like, yeah, you got a really exciting young team, but like, you're a fucking turd franchise. I mean, you are, they you know, I'm sorry, but ownership doesn't spend money in that city. They're, you know, they are miserly. They are cheap. They, they remain that way. They're not going out and increasing spending. You know, Votto came off the books. They signed a couple of relief pitchers and Candelario. I assume they'll get one other little guy and, and <clears throat> some starter who will be a, a recycler type, and they'll call it a day, and they'll run it back with what they had last year. I think the guy that I would have liked to see him get that really would have wowed me would have been Solaire, who hasn't landed anywhere yet. Uh, but the Reds, they, they'll never surprise me. They'll never shut me up because they'll never go out and get that. that they'll never go out and surprise you with that, that tier above where you think they're going to be. You know, um, They're not going to go out and get Randy or Rosarena. Um, I think now that you have an excess of infielders, I mean, I've been saying it, I really think they need to look at trading um, Jonathan India and bring back, you know, maybe a couple starters because it's surprising how many innings that you've actually got to have covered. You know, they can't just go into the season with the depth they have and Andrew Abbott's going to be our fourth or fifth starter. He's going to give up a lot of freaking bombs if he stays healthy. You got to have some guys that, you know, that sixth, seventh, eighth guy that can, can make the rotation and, um, I, I really think that, you know, the the Reds could have gone about this differently and really went out and made a statement and put some put some nice veterans beyond what they did. Like, do all this and then, like, double that. Like, bring in Solaire and then bring in, like, you know, one of the starting pitchers that the Cardinals signed. You know that's going to work out so well for the Cardinals. Um, bring in one of those guys and then sign another reliever. You know, sign another really good reliever. Um, <clears throat> I think the Angels just picked off, uh, I forget the guy's name, from Toronto. But, uh, you know, there's just so much more the Reds could do. And then you look at Reds' Twitter, and these people are fucking delusional. I mean, I talk about, well, if you if you can't move India, you know, possibly look at Marte. Because the, the, the backspin of this, Signing Candelario is every night you're going to have to either sit, you know, Ellie or McLean, or you're going to be sitting Noel V. Marte or Jonathan India or Spencer Steer. Somebody's got to sit. Like, you can't, like, oh, we're going to move Steer to the outfield, they're saying. Well, 
it doesn't matter. You're still not going to have enough at-bats to go around. And, yeah, things kind of work themselves out. But So I say, you know, trade Marte. And I tell you, Red's Twitter acts like this guy is the next Roberto Clemente or something. I mean, it's it's crazy. He had a really nice run of games last year. But they are totally delusional. And they're, it's like, then you bring up, well, okay, I remember two other guys who were the next Ted Williams, right? One was Austin Kearns. He hit 315 as a rookie, similar to Marte. Much bigger sample size. And then guy could never play again. He was stiff. He was terrible. He bounced around the league. He just had an, like an okay career. You know, he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He had an okay career. But he was never what people said he was going to be. And then there's Jay Bruce. I lived through Jay Bruce. I saw the billboards. I, I, he was the first big-time guy I remember being hyped. Like, before... Bryce Harper, like Jay Bruce was the number one prospect, baseball America. They said, man, wait till you see this guy, you know, and this was before the, the minor league highlights were all over and they were like, wait till you see this guy. He homers every night in the minor leagues. He is the perfect ball player. He's going to be a guy that plays for the next 20 years. I mean, surefire. Jay Bruce, I look today. He won a couple silver sluggers. He had a really good career, by the way. He hit like 312 homers. He had a really good career. Okay. Three all-star appearances, <clears throat> one of which was the year the Reds traded them him because they're cheap, and he was starting to get expensive. The other thing is, you know, as good, Bruce was, think about how he was hyped, right? And I've got Marte a tick below him. I don't have Marte even having the kind of career he had. So if you if you look at that, you know what? You've got a guy that's going to hit in his in his peak years with a pretty good glove. He's going to hit 20 homers, 25 in that park. He's going to drive in 80. He might hit around 300, might steal 15 bases. I mean, that's a pretty good ball player, right? It's a pretty good ball player. He might be an all-star. He might not. Fringe. But these Reds fans, man, I mean, they act like he's the face of the franchise. And I'm telling you right now, there's no way he's that. I want to wrap things up with, I've been watching the uh, NBA in-season tournament, and I actually feel embarrassed Um Besides, aside from betting purposes, I actually feel embarrassed how much I've actually kind of liked it in a weird way. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like a car crash. Like, you can't really look away from it. Um, the can, the, you know, the cotton candy-colored courts and the it, just the whole, I, I don't know, the whole ambiance of it is like kind of odd. Even these semifinals games have a little bit of an NCAA Final Four feel to it, right? Something it's so weird that it's 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 such a weird thing to watch. It actually made me turn it on, um, but it got me thinking. You know, um, it has created um, interest and broken up the monotony in NBA regular season basketball. And so for that, I commend the NBA. Who, I mean, I've ripped on this podcast. They basically, I don't think do anything right, um, but I think they did a good move here. And so I'm wondering now. For a traditionalist, I actually think baseball should do something like the NBA in-season tournament. Um, there's there's easy ways to go about it, and I think that what we are realizing is basically when there's money on the line and, and a trophy to play for, players just seem to care a little bit more. Pride kicks in, their athletic juices 
um, you know, their competitive nature. And um, I do think baseball should look to do something like this, uh, where they make maybe weekend series, um, make it a tournament style. You know, somebody smarter than me is going to have to figure out how you do the scheduling. But they should set it up to where, okay, you know, the first eight uh, weekend series of the year, you know, whoever takes, you know, two out of three um, advances, right, in this in this MLB regular season tournament. And I think that it could create um, a lot of interest. And I know there's a lot of purists out there. And I, I'm okay if they don't do it, but I, do, I don't think it'd be a bad idea. I think that there's creative ways to go about it, you know, where you could make um, – you know, you can make baseball a little bit more interesting for certain segments of people. Uh, and that's always something that I'm thinking about. You know, what would I do? I, I don't think this is... I remember the first time I heard about the, the NBA and season tournament. I think it was I think it was like Thanksgiving 20, 2019 um, that I was hearing the NBA kicking it around. And I was like, how the hell are they going to do this? Now I'm sitting here tonight watching the uh, you know the semifinal games that are in Vegas. I mean, it's as bad as I want to make fun of it. Like I always make fun of the NBA. I mean, it's really pretty cool. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, uh, that's pretty much all I've got for tonight. Um, so I hope everybody's getting ready to have a uh, blessed weekend, and I appreciate you tuning in to my thoughts. Hope they enlightened you in some way. We'll try to keep covering things here through the uh, hot stove months till we get back to the wonderful regular season in April. You've been listening to the Pine Tar Podcast. Be blessed and be well. <laughs>